You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for being with us. You're joining us during an hour that's part of our work with the Detroit Journalism Cooperative. We're doing a project called The Intersection. WDET and our media partners are looking at how the findings of the Kerner Commission are relevant today. What did that landmark report say about the reasons for violence in urban America in the 1960s? And more importantly, what has changed since then? One issue mentioned in that report was education, specifically the need for lawmakers to enact measures that would improve schools. More opportunity, less segregation, a better system. That's what the report said. We talk about education often on this show, and today we're going to look at the issue of school choice. Bridge Magazine this week published an investigation into how students have moved between school districts, schools and districts because of Michigan's school choice policy, which says that if, if a district decides, it can welcome students from anywhere uh, in the state to, to attend school there. Here to talk about that project, specifically on what they found about the new racial makeup of many school districts districts as a result of school choice are Mike Wilkinson and Chastity Pratt-Dossey, both from Bridge Magazine. Guys, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello, Detroit. Yeah, so uh, listeners, if you have not gone to the the Bridge Magazine uh, website and looked at this story, you really ought to. Some really eye-popping results with regard to segregation uh, as a result of school choice. And uh, here's the irony for me. Uh, behind uh, the, the, the report that you guys put up. In the ideal, school choice could help us create less segregated schools and districts, uh, especially in Metro Detroit where, where the, the racial divisions are so profound. In fact, because of the way it's been implemented, it's actually made things worse. And, and it, it, this is, uh, for me, one of those uh, same old same old kind of stories that we see here in Metro Detroit. The promise is always for one thing, and the reality ends up being something really different. Makes you kind of wonder, was the promise really honest? Was it sincere? From the beginning. (laughs) That's a whole different question, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Was it a setup? Uh, Talk about what you actually sort of found in terms of the data here, uh, in in terms of what what, uh, the schools and, and districts look like in their racial makeup after the school choice plan. Well, we looked at a number of years of both enrollment data and, and the mobility data. The state allows you to look to see where students go in terms of district to district. And, and we're talking about mainly the, uh, the fact that in Michigan, since 1996, a student can go to another district and the state will send their money to that district. The receiving district has to agree to let them in, and in some cases they don't. In, in Wayne County, uh, Dearborn and Gross Point do not uh, opt into choice at all, so you don't see kids from Detroit or Harper Woods. Well, part of Harper Woods does go to Gross Point because they're in the district, but you don't see the, 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 those kind of moves. Um, but what we found was that, that after years now of, of choice, you've seen districts become um, – more, we've got more districts that are majority minority. You have, we had a decade ago, we had 38 majority minority districts. Now we have 55. Um, you had 100, 100, 
19 charter schools that were majority minority. Now you have 182. So racial isolation is in increasing in these districts as people choose to, for what, if, if either by design or by accident, they're choosing places that are less diverse than the district in which they live. And it's happening not just in Metro Detroit, it's happening across the state. And, and I don't think it's the intent of the policy, but it, it's the path that parents have um, increasingly took. It, just like nine years, seven years ago, 60 three, 64% of kids were moving to a district that was less diverse than the one in which they lived. Now it's 70%. So it's actually increasing. And you know, it, it raises questions about what, what, what can the state do? Should the state do anything? The state tells me that you know they support parental choice for whatever reason they make that choice. They're not going to restrict it because you know they're going to a less diverse school. Yeah. But it is the, the it is the result of what the policy is doing. Right. I mean, here's the thing. Go ahead, Jesse. What we saw back in uh, the 90s is this is the point where Detroit, you know, population decreases precipitously. I mean, especially where um, African-American middle class folks are concerned. They're moving to the entering suburbs in huge numbers. And here in 1996, coincidentally, while that's going on, we get school choice. So you see African-Americans moving to the inner ring. You get this school choice law that allows the people in any district in a ring to, sure. to, to move and they do the more uh, you see African Americans moving into a district the more you see the white people moving out white flight that's why our story said in Metro Detroit school choice is the new white flight I mean simply put that's what's happening and some people aren't surprised by it they're surprised that we say it that bluntly in the story but that's <laughs> what the numbers bear out so, and, and explain that explain what you mean by by white flight I mean that's a term we, we use all the time uh, to explain what happened in Detroit mm -hmm. uh, in the 1950s and 60s and certainly up through probably the 70s and 80s but but this is this looks a little different explain what you mean by by flight well it before choice if you did not like the the complexion of your school district and wanted to change you either had to get the checkbook out and pay a huge tuition bill to another public school which did allow it a private school or you simply put you had to sell your house and go move to the to the to the district that was less diverse but what choice has done is is allowed you to remain in your house and move your kid and so what we see is a district uh, let's take this one for example Redford Union uh, in the community the school age population between kids 5 to 17 48 percent of the kids are white the school district is only 28 percent so where did the rest of those kids go They've opted out, or many of them have opted out, to charter schools or to public districts that are less diverse than, than Renford Union. And as you, as you look at these statistics, you see the places with the highest number of minorities or the, 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 the kind of the, you, know, you want to call it the tipping point, the 40 to 20 percent have the greatest dis, uh, disparity between what, whether the white population reflects the community, the school population reflects the community, and coincidentally, they have some of the highest numbers of people choosing to leave the district. So that's it's a different kind of white flight. You're correct. Before white flight was, I moved the whole kit and caboodle. I got the family. I got I sold the house. I, I moved. I moved to you know Fraser or wherever. And now you can stay in East Detroit and send your kid to the nearly all white district in St. Clair Shores. 
maybe you're still trying to sell your house, but you, you don't have to sell your house. And, and that tipping point is important. Once you see 27, 28, 30 percent African-Americans in a school district, that's when you start to see huge numbers of white students, white families leaving that school district. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Mike Wilkinson and Chastity Pratt-Dossie. They are both reporters at uh, Bridge Magazine, uh, WDET's partner in the Detroit Journalism Cooperative. We are talking uh, about uh, the 50th anniversary of the Kerner Commission coming up on that, the Kerner Commission report, which uh, looked at the causes behind unrest in cities like Detroit in the 1960s. And one of the things uh, that the report focused on was education, huge gaps in educational opportunity that exists between black and white citizens in this country. Has that changed over 50 years? Is it better? Is it worse? Are schools more or less segregated? Are schools more or less effective at providing opportunity to poor African-Americans uh, who had been locked out uh, for so long, according to the report. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call. We're talking about school choice and the effect that it has on segregation in schools in the metro area. Is it getting worse because of school choice uh, or is school choice just not effective at integrating schools or creating incentives for integration? Give us a call, 313-577-1019. Are you a family that participates in school choice, sends your children to a district other than the one that you live in? Uh, why do you do that? And is that district less diverse, in fact, than the district that you live in? In other words, are you sending your uh, your child to a school that uh, looks really different from the community that you live in. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number, 313-577-1019. Uh, as I said earlier, you know, this is just the latest in, in a string of policy decisions or events uh, in this community mm -hmm. over a long period of time that have, that have had this sort of look on first blush at, uh, of, of it looks like a good idea. Right, right. It's What's wrong idealistic. With this idea, Why right? not allow parents the opportunity to take and put their children in what they consider to be a better school district? Maybe it's a school district that has a Russian class and your school doesn't teach Russian or right. Japanese or whatever. But what happens, it's the same thing that would happen with charter schools. And I'm sure that's what you were thinking. The promise was innovation. Right. The promise was that's all right. these things. And what we got here in Michigan with wide open, unregulated policy is we got schools that are hardly any better and people making a lot of money yeah. and with school choice what we have is uh, uh, like you know you guys talked about in the last segment you have the the schools kids are going everywhere so the schools aren't very um, neighborhood centric anymore you know the neighborhood doesn't you know uh, uh, revolve around the schools like they used to you have people living side by side neighbors sending their kids to different schools so they don't know each other very well and what you have is segregation segregation of poor kids and kids of color in school districts where you know now the question becomes if your school district has taken in so many kids from somewhere else Wayne State asked this question uh -huh. 
what's the tipping point? At yeah. what point do the people in a community say, hey, these aren't my kids. Why should I support a capital improvement bond to, to give them better schools and, and better equipment? These aren't my kids in this district. My kids Why don't should, go here. My kids yeah. don't go here. Why should I continue to vote for school board or even run for school board? So it there's a lot of... Um, negative or problematic consequences of what's like you said looked like very idealistic policy yeah. to begin with and and i think one of the problems is is that what we end up doing is again indulging this idea that uh, a freer market will solve problems without sort of looking at the the sort of social and cultural problems that look that lurk behind these issues uh, that we never seem to address. So here, look, uh, let's open up the schools and let kids go where they would like to go as opposed to having to go to to the the district uh, where where they live. Uh, But we're not going to do anything about this sort of deeply entrenched history of segregation or racism in, in in the community. And so the way it plays out is is according to those social and cultural dynamics, not according to uh, just the, the market, the the, the sort of uh, b- uh, benevolence of the market, which is I choice guess gives parents yeah. uh, uh, real quick choice gives parents uh, obviously a lot of control. And you hear from educators all the time saying, oh, just because you went to school doesn't mean you know how to run a school or how schools should be run. And parents are given so many different opportunities to move kids around to, you know, choose this over that. And it's having political and economic and, and community, you know, repercussions, social repercussions. And uh, the bottom line is, after 20 years of choice, our schools in the state of Michigan rank number 41. Right, right. We're not. We're not. The only thing that's progress. changed in those last 20 years <laughs> no, is right. choice has become the the law of the land. Yeah, yeah. Mike, go ahead. Well, one of the things you talk about the the idea of the open market. I mean, it is it is a great idea, and and, and I personally confronted it in, in my own community where my kids went to parochial school. And a friend of mine said, why should you be the only one who has choice because you can afford it? So I, I kind of changed my, my view on sure. it. But what's happened here is we've got the, the conflict. What conflicts is the idea of the marketplace and how they put their thumb on the scale. And you talk about Detroit and the, and, and the ills that, that the, the, the district suffers. And yet we created a system that allowed all the districts in Oakland and Macomb County to be included in choice but exclude every kid in Detroit. You, know, you could, if you could do choice, you had to do at least within your own county or your intermediate school district. But you didn't have to open it to people outside the district, which meant East Detroit, um, South Lake, Warren Consolidated, Southfield. None of them had opened the doors to to um, to, to Wayne County. And you'll see it. Uh, we were just look. I was just looking at a newspaper in uh, Southern Macomb County a couple weeks ago. There's six ads for schools of choice, and they make it really clear: open only to Macomb County kids. No what Detroit kids saying? here. What are they right. saying? There? <laughs> They're right. saying so, no Detroit so the, kids here. Yes. <laughs> so you have legislators and, and the idea of an open market, but yet the thumb is on the scale, and it is really limited. Well, you got these tensions that exist where uh, people people in the metro area, white families uh, who have left Detroit uh, in the metro area are are not going to be welcoming of 
black families that are going to follow well, you them. you have some black people uh, who moved out who don't want to see that's some also true. Yeah, <laughs> poor right. black people you're from right. the city come you're either. That right. There's a dynamic there as well. So it's racial and it's socioeconomic. Yeah. And at the same time, the parents who leave, the ones who you know don't want to talk about the very sensitive issue of race will say it's because that school district has more resources, has higher test scores, has you know better facilities. And at the same time, yeah, okay, fine. They yeah. have less you know, poor kids and less black for, kids. For the things that are really going all right we got a lot of people want to participate in this conversation no surprise there vernon in white lake what's on your mind vernon i really enjoy this uh show steven Uh Uh, i'm white i grew up in the city of detroit Uh and i attended inner city public schools i went to pershing high school in the 70s and i'd like to address the white flight and why is there white flight uh being like after the 67 riots I grew up at Six and John R. I was like one of the only white people there, and I got beat up on a regular basis when the black people wanted to get even with whitey. I was the only guy they had to beat up. <laughs> you were and the target, it, huh? <laughs> well, not only that, it, it was uh, that's why white people don't want to be beaten up. They don't want to be robbed, and, and it's it's unfortunate. And that's why where do the, where do white people have to move? To I get won't away rob from you. That? I promise. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Vernon, no, I, I'm just saying it happens, yeah. and it's going on. And then I'm I'm talking to friends of mine who have kids out in uh, uh, Brandon Township, and they're bringing black kids in from Pontiac. And now the entire football team is all black kids, and all the white people that have lived there their whole lives, their kids can't get on the football team and play football for their school. Yeah. Well, Well, if they were better, they probably would be able to. (laughs) Vernon, Vernon, I I really appreciate the, the fact that you're a listener. Uh, and 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 also that you called in and and said what you th- what you believe uh, honestly I think that's a really important part of the conversations we Gotta try to have here. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't necessarily agree with uh, the things that you that you say, but but I do think Vernon uh, represents a lot of people's feelings here in the but metro see, area. The, the thing is, he, the question is because poorer kids or um, kids from Detroit or African-American kids show up, does that mean you have to move? Do you have to leave? Right. Go ahead, Mike. I, I find that fascinating in, in, the, in the sense that when you, when you first see choice implemented, uh, a district like East Detroit did not participate. It did not do it with, uh, with the kids that the African-American kids that showed up in East Detroit were, parent, were, were kids who had moved there because there was no choice from Detroit. And it just sparked an immediate move out. And there was, it looks, when you look at the numbers, and obviously I've not done a survey of all the parents, that there was not like seven years where, well, let's see if we can handle this. Let's see if we can, you know, no. Can it we was all an, get along? It was an immediate move out. And some of the other districts took an, which saw their enrollment de- declining, took it as an opportunity to, to fill some seats. Yeah. And so you got a district like Lakeview where oh, I think it's half the seats in, this, in the district are choice kids. 85% of the kids who came into that district were white uh, through choice. Um, so you, you, you wonder, could we have just waited a couple years and seen how it was going to go? Yeah. But there seems to be this automatic reaction. Now, now we had a commenter on our story, a kid who graduated and uh, just a couple years ago said when the kids from Detroit showed up, because now the district was in such financial straits, it had to open the door to the kids of Detroit. Sure. And now 300 come in and mostly in the high school that they're not prepared, that they're not willing to learn. So now there's already some more tension. But go back 10 years when it was a couple families 
why was there an immediate reaction? Could could there have been an opportunity there to foster some um, understanding that, okay, this is not something we have to just immediately right. solve by moving. By moving, yeah. Uh, and, of course, uh, if we could just get those big black kids to not dominate the football team, we can solve <laughs> everything. <laughs> there, I'm teasing Vernon a little bit. If you're still listening, Vernon, I am joking. I am just, I'm just trying to bring some levity to a very serious topic. Uh, let's go to uh, Tammy in Berkeley. Tammy, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Hey. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I, would, I have a comment, actually, with regards, first off, to uh, the white flight. Uh-huh. I am white. Um, I was born in Highland Park. My, my family lived on 12th Street back then, just uh, north of West Grand Boulevard, uh-huh. right around the corner from Henry Ford. And um, it, when I was two and a half, I witnessed the tanks coming down during the riots. And I remember it because my mother asked me not to go near the window because there was sniper fire and it was shoot to kill. Um, I went to go look out of the shade, and, of course, the shade went, you know, and rolled <laughs> up. You know, those shades were really touchy. <laughs> well, on a bullhorn, they made my mother, we were in one of the upper flats, it was a four-family flat, go out on the porch with their hands up, and what are you doing, and blah, blah, blah. We could have shot up your, your place. And she pointed to me near the front door. Well, two years later, about a year and a half, two years later, it was either 78 or 79, we were forced to move. And why we were forced to move is they raised all those four-family flats Hmm. on what is now Rosa Parks Boulevard. We moved to Southfield for a couple of years and then back into Highland Park, Six and Woodward area. And the night... Before the wrecking ball came, we were getting our last boxes out, and I actually watched the wrecking ball take down our home. Wow. Wow. So fast forward, I'm 14. We move out of Highland Park. We move into Berkeley, and I chose to raise my children here. Well, we had open enrollment and um, or open district, and we had kids from all around. Uh, Detroit, I believe we had some, Oak Park various areas and you know we were predominantly white city but i'll tell you what i really welcome that because i grew up up until i was 14 in highland park and i love the diversity i love the different cultures and i am thrilled that my boys are able to have that mix of culture here in berkeley and we're one of the best school districts you know around and We've, and we've you don't see a problem. Really you well don't. Yeah, you're not. You're not one of the families that sees a problem with the influx of of kids from other. There's always an adjustment. Yeah. Always in any district you go in, when things change, it's it's not a black or white issue. It's what you want from an education from your kids, and if parents are willing to bring their kids here and for a good education, I'm fine with it. Yeah. We've we've done really well. Yeah, uh, Tammy, thanks very much uh, for that call and, and for those comments. Uh, Nicole in Gross Point Park, you're up next. Hello. Hey. Thank you for having me. Sure. Um, my name's Nicole. I'm from Gross Point Park, and I've lived here for 13 years, and I've been a cleaning lady here for 25. Uh, I've seen it from both sides. I've seen the, the, you know, the rich people you know, complain about the, the, you know, the atmosphere changing. And then I've seen it 
you know, my son, I have a son that's black, and he goes to school, and they self-segregate. When they get into the school, it, it, it seems all welcoming. It seems, it seems like, oh, this is a great thing, and we're, we're all going to work together. But when school's over and they walk outside or when school's beginning and you drop your kids off in front of the school, the majority, I'm not saying all of them, but the majority of black kids stick with the black kids and vice versa. Yeah. Well, and Nicole, what you're getting at there is that sort of social-cultural dynamic that is behind this policy of, uh, you know, open school districts that, that, yeah, we can say you can go to the school district uh, of your choice, uh, but, but if, if you're not addressing these tensions that exist, uh, not addressing the sort of historical basis for the inequalities that exist in our region, you're not really going to achieve the kind of diversity or, or integration that uh, the policy seems like it, like it might uh, achieve. Nicole, thanks very much for that uh, call. Chastity Interesting Pratt, thing. You're seeing a lot of school districts and charter schools all talking about how we are preparing our students for a global society, blah, 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 global, global. Well, how can you be doing that if you are encouraging or not even discouraging segregation in your schools? You know, if you're going to be, you know, some globally educated child, it should start with learning in a diverse setting in your own community. How are you going to learn very much from people and everybody looks like you? Yeah. Everybody went to church, same church as you. Everybody does the same thing, eats the same thing, has the same culture. Yeah. How are you going to be prepared for a global I mean, the, society? The, the, somebody I was having a conversation with this week uh, made the point that, you know, it's churches and schools that really define our lives and how we how we live with each other. And until you see, you know, black and white people going to the same church, Going to the same school and not having uh, not having these issues. Well, uh, you know, these what? other efforts are really sort of. There was an educator while we were doing the story that hit me to something, and he says, um, you know, when you have a school that is mostly white, for instance, and you have a small population of whether it's Asian kids or you know kids from the Middle East or African American kids, and you see them together in the cafeteria in you know on the playground or whatever it's kind of socially dangerous to break that up because for them it's the only time they get to spend with people who with are just themselves. like them yeah, right. so you know birds of a feather flock together but you know when they're in the classrooms they're you know the chip and the cookie they're the fly in the milk <laughs> and so it's it's you know that Aww. time in the lunchroom where they're with someone who understands them and the question really is why is that threatening why is that threatening the majority population right why if, is that if all the black kids are sitting together and table in the cafeteria what's the and know, no one uh, asks why are all the white kids sitting together yeah, yeah. all right uh mike wilkinson and chastity pratt dossi of bridge magazine as always thanks very much for being here being here anytime yeah well, great work you. on the story too all right, all right up next uh we are going to talk about how the african-centric education movement grew out of the 1960s and where it is today. Stay with us on Detroit Today and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019. Lots of callers waiting to get on. We will get to you next. <laughs> 